Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. 11 minutes after 5 on this rainy start to your Friday. A lot of this morning rain should be moving out. I'm taking a look at the radar. The strongest stuff is actually north of Milwaukee. Right over the city, a little bit of heavy rain. And then you get north of Milwaukee and Ozaukee County up into Sheboygan County, still getting the bulk of this. Fond du Lac County getting in on it as well. A lot of this is going to be moving out, and then things become scattered. And then the threat for possible severe weather tonight. Just a little bit more. You heard Marissa kind of characterize the timing of it and what we could see. Again, between 11, uh, 8 and 11 p.m. tonight would be the biggest possibility for any severe weather that we could see. Winds in excess of 58 miles an hour is one of the possibilities. Also in here, this one stood out to me. Large hail, greater than one inch in diameter. Yeah, park your cars inside if you can. That's a big old hailstone, yeah, right? Yeah, So if that stuff starts falling from the sky, yeah, there's going to be some damage. So those are possible, along with uh, isolated tornadoes also possible. We're not in the... Uh, the bullseye, if you will, but we're kind of in range of the potential that the uh, National Weather Service is predicting for severe weather tonight. And as for this stuff in the morning here, yeah, it's just going to be moving on out here, and then we'll have some things scattered through the day. But it was heavy. I saw I saw lightning coming in. Plenty of lightning, plenty of thunder. It it Mother Nature, the first what thunderstorm of the season, right? It it came in like a lion. <laughs> and, and you're like right. Because we just had snow so recently, I mean, I know it's spring, we should be in this mode, but because we just had snow, we're kind of still locked in that winter, and then the first time you hear that thunder, you're like, whoa, what is happening? You know what else you I saw? Don't, you don't get used to it, you, or you, you realize how quickly you forget like how bright lightning is. Like I thought it was a camera's going off outside my house today. <laughs> okay, it's just lightning. It's going to be okay. I did see a guy on my way, and when I hit downtown, there's a guy in the heavy rain riding around on one of those bubbler bikes. <laughs> You get a you get a discount? I don't know, but you know the bikes are they're, they're kind of funny looking anyway. They got that little basket on the front, and every time I see one, I just, I just think of Mrs. Gulch with her little basket on the front in the Wizard of Oz. Here's this cat riding through the rain. Yeah. Hang in there, buddy. Hope you dried out. Five thirteen on Wisconsin's Morning News. Brandon Snide has sports coming up next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Brewers opened their season down in Chicago on Thursday against those Cubs. And with the game at 0-0 in the third inning, that's when things started to fall apart for pitcher Corbin Burns. And here comes Jan Gomes. They're on the corner still with two out. Pitch swinging a chopper up the middle. It's going to be a play for Willie Adamas coming in. Steps on second base. He could have thrown to first. He didn't, and he didn't get the out at second on Mancini. A run scores. A little bit of a mental blunder there from Adamas. It's 4 nothing Cubs in the third. That would be one of the four runs the Cubs would score in that third inning, and that's really all they need is the Brewers forget to pack their bats, only getting four hits throughout the game, and they fall to the Cubs for their first loss of the season, 4 to nothing. The Brewers, good thing they have a scheduled off day today with the weather pending. Uh, they are back at it Saturday at 1.20. Brandon Woodruff is slated to get the start. Over to the NBA where the Bucks had themselves tonight. They will want to forget as the Boston Celtics storm Milwaukee and light up the Bucks for a 141, or excuse me, 140-99 final score. The game started out close into the first quarter and Boston quickly pulled away 
towards the end of the first quarter, and they really never looked back, taking up the lead almost to 30 points at halftime. Jason Tatum scored 40, and Jalen Brown added 30, and now the lead for the spot, top spot in the Eastern Conference for those Milwaukee Bucks only sits at two games with a win over Boston on Thursday. The Bucks would have lowered their magic number to one. However, it does sit at four. After the game, head, co- head coach Mike Boonholzer knows it's a game of runs, and the Bucks just could not get anything going Thursday night. No, I, I mean I think we were three for twenty-two at halftime, and um, you know it's like it's like always. I'm sure that there were um, you know a handful or a couple that were were difficult, and then there's a handful or or more that you know you feel like you can make, and games can flip and change, and um, runs can happen, and we weren't able to make a run back, so. You know, we got to look at it. Uh, you know, there's some that, you know, I remember that, that are good, and there's some that I remember, you know, we we didn't get good enough looks. Uh, so it's a little bit of both. But And, and you got to make some tough ones, too. So Tough night for the Bucks, but they look to bounce back with another primetime showdown Sunday as the MVP favorite, Joel Embiid, and the 76ers come to town. Tip-off is going to be set for 7 p.m. That was one of those I don't watch every Bucks game, but, you know, once in a while it's like, oh, yeah, Bucks are playing out. Grab the thir- the fourth quarter here, <laughs> turned it on, turned it. It off. was a rough day for Milwaukee <laughs> sports yesterday. A rough wow. day. Turned it on. Brewers scoreless. and Bucks. Oh, not this a good is one. Not good. And a day you can forget and move yes. on to the weekend. Five seventeen on Wisconsin's morning news. At 521 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Yeah, later today I'm excited for one of the interviews we have coming up. We're going to talk with Matt Isbell. He is uh, with the Midwest Gaming Classic that is in town this weekend. Three floors of the Wisconsin Center, all dedicated to various things gaming. If you're into the old stuff, you want to check out some classic Mario, you want to go back to the Atari 2600, you want to go back to the Magnavox Odyssey in the 70s, it's all there. You video game guy? I mean, ish. I'm not like the. I'm not currently like a gamer. Yeah. And you know, as an '80s kid, we all were exposed to like the you know, the rise of the home console and all that stuff. So I'm I'm into it. My son, who's 15, uh, I took him last year, and I'm going to take him again. He's our he's our um, what should we call him? Our our gaming and tech consultant here. There you go. Wisconsin's yeah, there you go. Years. I was going to say tech expert. Tech expert. Yeah. He actually is. He knows all this stuff. So I walked through there with him. One of the things they have at the convention is this whole area of old home consoles. Mm-hmm. And they start at the beginning. I mean, Pong is there. And they have these things, and some of them you can even play. And so he's going through. He's like, oh, yeah, well, this is the Odyssey. That was uh, 71, 72 or thereabouts. And this is the 2600. That was Atari. This is some failed thing you never heard about. This, he knows all this stuff. Did you ever? Do you ever, like, hop on the sticks with them and... See what's up or no? Oh, oh yeah. And okay. It's, you know what's up? I don't know how to play video games now. <laughs> do you remember the moment that you like it? It just you lost it. Like, do you remember this? I I remember specifically. Yeah. Like the last time my dad played video games with me, it was a Nintendo sixty four controller. Okay. He couldn't like figure out the middle the middle like joystick. He's like, I don't know what this. I can't figure it out. And just that was it. He just gave up. We That's never it. Again. I'm out. Yeah. This I can't is for do you it now. Yeah. I think that's something that I hear from from gamers of of our era is and, and actually one of the reasons that the kids sometimes like these vintage games, these new games, they're very hard. They're super complex. If if I needed to pick a time that I lost it, so to speak, it's when we entered into, I don't know, one of the more recent Mario games or one of those. And you know, you can move in every look, when we played Mario, left, right, and you could jump. <laughs> yes. Up, down, whatever. 
there you have this whole world that's open to you. And I kept looking at him like, where am I supposed to go? He's like, well, you want to go find this and you want to do that. I'm like, but how do I know what I'm even looking for? It's funny that you say that. So I, I play not a ton of games, but I play games a lot. It's like my way to escape from whatever's happening in the world every couple of days. And since I play decently often, I asked my wife, like, hey, do you want to like try and play a game? And she said the exact same thing. And like some of the open world ones, she's like, I don't know where to go. Like, I, it, it, yeah, right. How do you know where you're supposed to go? And I was like, well, I don't know. You just kind of play it and you figure it out. Uh, but it's not like I just hop on and, and, and learn in three minutes. Mario, like you said, here's jump and here's spin. And you just keep, <laughs> right. keep pressing the right and if arrow. if you do it this way, you might slide a little. Yeah. Like, that was about as technical as you got. But it is very cool, like seeing all these old uh, systems. They also have like a huge like pinball area where yeah. they have all these old machines. I'm currently trying to convince my wife that a pinball machine would be a good investment for my house. So, so we'll see you there at yeah, the I'm Midwest Game Absolutely. Classic. I, I always go. I love this thing. It's very cool. Even if you're not like a gamer gamer, it really is kind of cool just to see some of the uh, some of the old tech, meet some of the people who are there. And also if you have a teen kid or something like that, great place for a gift, you know? No, buy and sell. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know if you can sell, but I, I know you can buy because they have tons of these guys who go to conventions all over the country and they maybe have stuff that, they, that you can't find here. And... This time you don't have to mail order for it. It's right there. Do you ever look at the prices of some of the of some of the either the systems or games or controllers or whatever and think like, man, we should have kept the old stuff. It would have paid off now. Oh yeah, you yeah. can sell stuff. I mean, like if you have something that's still in the box, my goodness, you can make serious yeah. bank. Even like an original Zelda cartridge or something like that. Even <laughs> if it's been used, I mean, you're still probably selling it for more than what you bought it for in 1995. There's one Zelda that's super valuable, like a Zelda Gold or something like that. I don't know. The boys into it always. It's like, ooh, they have this. It's, it's like, the Legend of like Zelda. 50, yeah, 50 some bucks, and I'm like, really? I, like, I swear, I had that on a Game Boy in 1995. <laughs> of you did. I swear, I did. Yeah. So that's the Midwest Gaming Classic. It's at the Wisconsin Center through the weekend. Starts tonight, uh, all day Saturday, and much of the day Sunday. I think they shut down at five o'clock on Sunday. So we're gonna have Matt Ispo with us from the uh, Midwest Gaming Classic, coming up at 7.20 for an interview today. on this Friday morning, Wisconsin's morning news. Spring is here. Time a lot of folks consider bringing a new member into their family by adopting a pet. (laughs) Allison Clyburn, the new head of the Wisconsin Humane Society, has thoughts about what you need to ask yourself before you adopt. There's everybody out there that's thinking of adopting. Mm -hmm. What should they be asking themselves before they come to the Wisconsin Humane Society? What are you looking for? What are you interested in? What's your why for adoption? And is it companionship? Is it you're looking for a running buddy? Is it security? Is it just having someone to go home to at the end of the day? What's your why? Because I think that will help us help you find that right match. And then I think also there's always the time factor. People are like, oh, I work really long hours. I can tell you that like I can find you a cat that is okay with you working really long hours. So just trying to find what the right match is for you. And this is I will plug fostering here. If you're at all on the fence, fostering, whether it's for us or another organization, is a great way to kind of test drive that commitment and positively impact not only the animal you're bringing into your home, but the animal at the shelter who now has more time or space or staff time because that 
animal you took home is now on your couch instead of a, a kennel with us. Once you adopt Wolf Wisconsin Humane Society, follow through after we take them home. Sure. And what I would say is we are there. So we understand that obviously our goal is for this to be a successful match for you and for this animal for a very long time. But if it doesn't work out, we're also here for that too. Whether that's a foster or an adoption, you can bring the animal back to us. You don't have to, but we're not going to judge you for that. We're going to gather some more information, learn more about what you're looking for, learn more about that animal, and hopefully move forward to find better matches going forward. Allison Kleiber talks with Libby Collins about her love for animals and how important the Wisconsin Humane Society is to the community on WTMJ Conversations. You can hear the full conversation Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. QB watch in the NFL continues for many teams, quite frankly. The Ravens, the Jets, the Packers. We'll stay with the, the Packers and Jets, the most notable two. But there's one former general manager that thinks one team in this should bring in a new name to help push this trade for Aaron Rodgers. If I was the Jets, I would bring in Lamar Jackson. There's no downside to talking to him. And I, until a deal is done and every T is crossed and I is dotted, obviously they feel very confident that's going to get done. And for them, that's great. Hopefully it works out. I've just been through it too many times where at the last minute a deal falls apart. Or what happens if Aaron Rodgers wakes up tomorrow and says, you know what, fellas, like, I'm good because you know CBS offered him $300 million you know, to replace Tony Rowe. Like, you never know what could happen. <laughs> Mike Tannenbaum, if that name sounds familiar, Packers fans, it's the general manager who was in charge for the New York Jets when they traded Brett Favre there in 2008. He was on ESPN's Get Up on Thursday. The NFL draft is being seen as possibly the next serious deadline for this Packers-Jets-Aaron Rodgers trade, which begins on April 27th. Over to the Diamond, where the Brewers opened their season down in Chicago on Thursday against the Cubs, and the game was scoreless. That's when things started to kind of fall apart for Corbin Burns in the third inning. Then here comes Jan Gomes. They're on the corner still with two out. Pitch swinging a chopper up the middle. It's going to be a play for Willie Adamas coming in. Steps on second base. He could have thrown to first. He didn't, and he didn't get the out at second on Mancini. A run scores. A little bit of a mental blunder there from Adamas. It's 4 nothing Cubs in the third. Vinny, is it too early to, to break remotes in your house in game one? of It is too early for it's that, too early? yes. Right. i got to go get a remote after Ask it for a friend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the four-run third inning, uh, and that's all the Cubs would need as the Brewers. They really forget to pack their bats. Only getting four hits throughout the game, and they fall to the Cubs 4 to nothing for the first loss of the season. Burns did go five innings allowing those four runs, as we just talked about, and only striking out three batters, which is pretty low for him. The Brewers do have a, a scheduled off day today with some bad weather in Chicago. It's good timing, but they are back at it Saturday at 1.20. Brandon Woodruff is slated to get the start. And finally, over to the NBA, where another tough game in Milwaukee, where the Bucks had themselves a night they will want to forget, as the Boston Celtics trounce Milwaukee in light of the Bucks for a 140 299 final score. It was never really close outside of the first maybe seven minutes. Boston quickly pulled away towards the end of the first quarter, and they really never looked back. Jason Tatum dropped 40. Jalen Brown added 30. And the lead for the Bucks at the top spot in the Eastern Conference is only at two games with five more to play. Head coach Mike Budenholzer knows this is a game of runs, and the Bucks just couldn't get one on Thursday night. No, I, I mean, I think we were three for 22 at halftime, and um... You know, it's like it's like always. I'm sure that there were, um, 
you know, a handful or a couple that were, were difficult. And then there's a handful or, or more that, you know, you feel like you can make and games can flip and change and um, runs can happen. And we weren't able to make a run back. So, you know, we got to look at it. Uh, you know, there's some that, you know, I remember that, that are good. And there's some that I remember, you know, we, we didn't get good enough looks. Uh, so it's a little bit of both, but, and, and you got to make some tough ones too. So, after coming off a four-game road trip and a back-to-back uh, Wednesday into Thursday, the Bucks do get a little bit of a break here. Their next game is Sunday as Joel Embiid and the 76ers come to town. Tip-off is set for 7 p.m. Greg Pancake Hill is the producer of this year's program. We'll see what he's got cooking up next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Pancake Hill is the producer of Wisconsin's Morning News, got his nickname because he used to work at the Pancake House on the South Side every week. We have a lot of ideas for the show. Some of them make it in, some of them don't. So we assign Greg to whip up a little something with the leftovers here on this Friday morning is the Pancake Breakfast Special. What about breakfast? We've already had it. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Yes, opening day. The next federally legal holiday to consume copious amounts of baseball, beverages, and ridiculous limited edition special opening day food items to get not only the hungriest of baseball fans in their ballparks, but all the articles written on them to pump up their team's respective stadiums to promote a fun season. Sometimes, though, anyone with a personal gauge of ridiculousness has to look at these foods and say, are these even real? Well, good for you. We're going to put your ballpark eats knowledge to the test. I'm going to run through items. Your job on the program is to decide if each of these foods are actually real and will or have been offered by a major league ballpark this season, or if it's totally made up. This is the oldest radio bit in the book, Ballpark (laughs) Fact or Fiction. All right, so here we go. Introducing the Boston Red Sox's Oyster Soxifeller. Oyster on a half shell with a rich butter sauce topped with green monster tea herbs and a finely chopped spinach with breadcrumbs sprinkled on top. You can get it in section 220 for $18.59. This can make even the most picky Bostonian eater say... They're not that bad. See, the fact that you have to say they're not that bad means that they are that bad. Real or fake? That's real. Too much dazzling detail in there. Way too much detail. Real food poisoning. And it's Boston. And it's Boston, is that what he said? <laughs> Super fake. What? Oh. Ah, yeah, this is a missed well, opportunity. We'll start here. We'll never know. See, the fact that you have to say they're not that bad means that they are that bad. Introducing the Foghorn Leghorn from the Texas Rangers. Now what? I say, what's the big idea bashing me on the noggin with a rolling pin? Oh, it's a broasted chicken breast with corn on the cob in between butter slab pieces of Texas toast. You're supposed to eat it with the t- with two team branded corn on the cob forks, and then that makes it the Longhorn. 1999 in section 212 of Go- Globe Life Field. Real or not? I think the uh, no, nah, it's too cumbersome. That's not real. I'm gonna go with the forks in the side and all. No, I'm gonna go real. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna join. I'm gonna join you, Mike. First one was fake. This one's got to be real. Super fake. Yeah, not real at all. No. Dang. It was the cor- it was the corn cob yeah. that got me. Oh, yeah. man, really? Side? I yeah. that, okay, all right. I like the team real branded. every time. It's every one actually kind of sounded tasty though. The Mike Trout. <laughs> <laughs> Please be real. Two two scale 
two, that's two, the number two, two scale Mike Trout bicep sized trout fillets, deep fried and topped with a halo of hollandaise, tartar sauce, a slice of lemon, and a side of crinkle fries for $22.95, section 111 at Anaheim Stadium. Real or not? It's not real, but I so wish it were. I'm going real. I'm going to go with you as well. Our, me gonna, and Brandon just want it all to we be real. We want it to be real. We had two non-real, so we got to have a real one in here. Super fake. Yeah. Not real. That'd be great. Would you get like, ballpark? I'm, I'm, would I'm you not get following fi- your lead Would anymore. you get fish okay. at a ballpark? Would you get fish at a ballpark? I would get that fish. What was it called again? The Mike Trout. The Mike Trout. The Hollandaise. <laughs> that that might give me some pause, I think. <laughs> the the Halo Trout. The, the, price, the price should have threw me off. It's California. $22.99 is, is cheap. <laughs> Five-county brat party. It's a hoagie bun stuffed with not one, not two, but five brat patties, each representing the racing sausages. One hot dog, one brat, one Polish, one chorizo, and one Italian sausage patty topped with secret stadium sauce, fried onion, sauerkraut, garnished with a healthy slab of Christian relish. (laughs) (laughs) Only 1995, section 121 at American Family Field, real or not. It's not real, but man, I wish it were. Sounds good. It does. It does. It's definitely not real. It's, not real. it's five patties. Come on. <laughs> but it could be. It could be. Note to the Brewers. The Nolan Arenachos. <laughs> Fried tortilla chips topped with pieces of toasted ravioli, St. Louis staple slinger sauce, topped with 28 jalapenos and Budweiser nacho cheese sauce. All could be yours. $15.99. Section 118 at Bush Stadium. Real or not? That's real. I, think, I would. I, I'm gonna go. Yeah. I, I want it to be real, because it sounds delicious. I'm gonna go. I'm not. Uh, I'm gonna go real. Let's go real. I'm gonna go real. Not real. Nah, not real. But we should work for PR companies this, or something. Uh, you know. Yeah, these are great, great ideas. And finally, we can't end this segment without a little dessert. All right. Introducing the Aaron Fudge Sunday. 62 available toppings on a custom-made Sunday bar inside Yankee Stadium served in an ice cream cone that's scooped in a plastic gavel-shaped container. Section 131, <laughs> Yankee Stadium, 1750. Real or not real? Not real because of the container. Not real because of the price. That's what I was going to go <laughs> Dang with. Dang it. Yeah. All right, you got me. It's fake. They're all fake. <laughs> so, yes, all these dishes were concocted by myself with some help. Shout out Mike Spaulding for Nolan Ar- old Nolan Arenachos and my <laughs> wife, Mrs. Pancake, for Aaron Fudge Sunday. Are too good to be true. However, enough creativity, maybe a microphone, and some help. Who knows what could be real? Either way, happy baseball season, happy ridiculous food season. And even though yesterday's opening day result gave us a bit of a stomach it's a long season. Plenty of time to digest. Sit back, relax, and enjoy that baseball's back, everybody.